Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome back. It is a new episode, and today we're going to talk about patience and why things move on certain timelines that, while that might be frustrating for us, it might actually lend us some understanding and why we have to simmer down when we are in relationships where other people maybe aren't moving on our timeline as much as we would like them to. And so today we're going to have a conversation about how, and frankly, why we move on different timelines and how that might be able to help us navigate relationships a little bit more graciously. So we all have our own interior worlds. We all have our own thoughts and our own perspectives and our own feelings. And people really don't have access to those until we stop long enough to give them access. So we have something going on internally and then we share about it with someone. And what that means is that we kind of give information on our own specific timeline. But often there's a disconnect between when we arrive at conclusions and when we let others in on the conclusions that we've arrived at, and then they arrive at the same conclusions. And it's because they're just coming to the party a little bit later than we are. Our internal world is kind of moving and processing and organizing things. And then once we let them in on something, then they can start to internalize and process and reorganize things. So most of the change process and much of our understanding about the world, while it's going on, it's moving through a very systematic process. And we've talked about this before. There's that pre-contemplation space where not really a lot is going on, but then something comes into our awareness and we move into contemplation. So we're thinking about something. Then we kind of shift into preparation once we've decided we want to make a change, and then we shift into action. But what tends to happen is we might be in the action stage and then let people know about what we're thinking, and they're shifting from pre-contemplation contemplation into contemplation. They didn't even know this was a thing. And so they're now just tardy to the party, basically. And it really can complicate relational understanding in a whole host of different ways. So I want to give us a specific narrative where I was working with a teen girl on understanding a sexual trauma narrative that she had experienced. So as we were working together a couple years ago, in November was the first time she disclosed to me an inappropriate relationship that had gone on. And there was parts of it that she knew she was completely implicit in, but then there were parts of it that things went too far and she was intruded upon, but she didn't really know what to call it. And so over the course of about four weeks, we start to make understanding of her narrative. So by times we get to December, we've arrived at this word coercion. And so now we have this verbiage, and while she's kind of wrestling with this understanding, there's a lot of pain going on here. There's lots of denial, there's lots of shock, but she's trying to come to an understanding about what her experience actually was. By January, so we're about two months into this narrative, she's in full-out anger. We've processed through a lot of it together. We're working on understanding what boundaries had been violated, what she needs to do differently in the future, ways she needs to disengage from situations or relationships that are threatening to her. And, and we 
we worked on understanding what kind of the legal ramifications of this particular narrative was. She was a minor at the time. The person who had intruded on her was not a minor. And so she had to navigate, is this a legal thing? Do I not want it to be a legal thing? And what does that look like? By February, she had processed through a lot of it. And so now when she and I are talking, she's she's quite cognitive about it. It's a little less emotional. Now, it's still a hard topic, but she had moved through being solely the victim into understanding kind of what had happened. She understood the skills that were missing, understood what she wants to do differently next time. And now she's ready to share with her parents about what happened. So we've worked from November to December to January to February. And so by March, she finally shares it with her parents. And she just wants to kind of rip the band-aid off and run away and expect everything to be okay. So she shares it with her parents and her parents are stunned and shocked and have a hundred different questions and are crying and are emotional and are really confused. And she desperately just wants the discomfort to be over. She wants to have them just accept it and move on. But I had to go with her through the understanding that we had walked intentionally for five months for her to even understand her own narrative. Her parents are going to need maybe not the same timeline, but definitely space and grace to take in information, to organize it, to process it, to make sense of it. And it quite possibly could take months. And so while for her, this should have just been done and over with, she was frustrated by their questions. She was frustrated by their slow pace. She was annoyed with their sadness. She was ready to move on. I had to work with her on patience. And so we had to give space and grace to the parents and say, of course, this is going to take a while. This wasn't even in their purview. And now they've been jolted into a new understanding about their world. And they've gone from the pre-contemplation into contemplation into preparation into action and she wants them to move at warp speed to join her and it just doesn't work that way and unfortunately that happens relationally with many of us where something big is happening in our life and we're internalizing it and we're processing through it and we're maybe seeking out wisdom about it and then by times we let our loved one in on it we expect a different reaction than what we get because we spent so much time organizing our thoughts and our beliefs and our point of view but that's an unfair ask because we've internalized it for so long or we've processed through it or we've spent time on it that for us it's not brand new but the person hearing it it might in fact be brand new for them and unfortunately we see this play out with couples too so one comes to counseling and they're in the action stage of change so they've been discontented they've contemplated they've prepared and now they're in action but perhaps their partner wasn't actually aware of the level of distress that one was experiencing so let's say wife comes into counseling and she's demanding that husband makes a change husband might not have even been aware of just just how bad she was receiving his particular action. Because perhaps she's using passive aggressiveness. Perhaps she's using the silent treatment. Or perhaps she's using subtle clues and not communicating outright her level of distress. So they come into counseling and she says, I'm about to leave you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And one of the ways we see this play out is we'll ask a couple, we'll say, okay, if you had to rate your marriage today, where would you put it? On a scale of zero to 10, your level of satisfaction with your marriage. And she'll say, well, it's a three. And he'll say, it's an eight. And both of them will be telling the truth because from their experience, it is. In his internal world, everything's been a-okay or at least tolerable. And in her internal world, she's been slowly combusting. And so now we have this new understanding that there's a big mismatch occurring. And so one of the things we often have to do is we often have to get the proactive spouse, the one who's in the action stage, to try to slow their pace a touch 
and see what can happen with the less aware spouse, the one who wasn't privy to this internal frustration. Might they be willing to come into the contemplation and into the preparation stage a little bit more quickly so we can kind of find some sort of common space where they're both willing to do the work. But it can be really, really difficult because internally one has landed in such a different space than their spouse or than their significant other. And so one of the strategies we would use with them, at least that I would use with them, is once I find out that wife says that marriage is a three and husband says that it's an eight, we want to start making meaning out of those numbers. So I would start with kind of a solutions-focused approach first with the wife and I would say, would you be willing to tell me why it's a three and not a two? So what are some of the things that are going well here? What are some of the things that allowed you to rate it a three? And I get it, a three is not where we want to camp out, but why were you able to generously give it a three instead of a two? Tell me some of the good things happening. And so we'll talk through some of the things that are going on that are positive for her. And then the next question is, okay, to the wife, if it's a three, what does it take to get it to a four? What would that first small win look like? How would we understand that spouse is trying, that he's in the action stage, now he's moving on a different timeline than you, this is brand new information for him. What is a small win that we could do, that he could do rather, to get from a three to a four? Because if she's wanting it to be a 10 overnight because she's operating as though 10 is the only place she'll be comfortable, we have a real issue here. So we have to try to recalibrate the spouse that's in the highest space of discontent and ask them what's the next small step? What's the next win? The goal isn't to make it a 10 because that takes time. And sometimes that takes ample time. And what we know about the change process is everyone who's engaged will move at their own space or their own pace rather. Both of them will have to sort through things internally. And we only have access to someone else's information when they externalize it or share it with us. So we have to try to figure out a pace where one spouse can be patient and the other one can start to engage change at a pace that works for them and then work on consistency over time. And the point of this all is that our timelines can be very different, like radically gut-wrenchingly different. And that's why patience matters. Patience in our own change process for sure matters. So if we're comparing someone else's change to our change and we're wondering why they're so much further ahead than us, well, perhaps they put in work prior to what we did. Perhaps internally they've been working at a different pace than we are, and that has to be okay. But when it comes to engaging relationships and it comes to sorting through the fact that we have several different people's change process running in tandem, we've got to understand that there's going to be a unique input from each of the partners, and patience is imperative. Patience with others who engage in the change process is going to be one of the most genuinely gracious things and restorative things we can do in our relationships. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.